it. It's everywhere. At least it feels like it's everywhere. Do you see it? Do you feel it? Do you hear it? Division, rancor, vitriol, mean, nasty words, vicious, biting posts on social media. You see it about politics, about cultural and social issues. If you don't agree with me, boy, you are my enemy. There's racial animosity. There's mistrust and distrust and conspiracy theories. There's this rising tide of anger and indignation and frustration that seems to be leaking all over us. Blame tossed like a blanket. And though you may try to stay above the fray, it's difficult to stay focused, difficult to keep your priorities straight, difficult to stay positive and not wade into every fight you see. It's difficult to love and to remember who you are and whose you are. How do you not become like everybody around you? At least it seems like it's everybody. How do you not get shoved into the mold that is gripping our culture? How do you and I... How do we get into this militarized zone where we're asked to take sides on every issue that people are arguing about? If you stay above the fray, if you decide, I'm not going to engage with that, how do you avoid becoming the ostrich who doesn't know the time or becoming prideful for your ability to live differently? Our guest today calls it swimming upstream. Is this a new phenomenon or is it something old? We'll talk about that straight ahead. Thanks in advance to Ryan McConaughey doing all things technical. Trisha, we just got a text from Trisha. She's working on the road today. She's on vacation, but she's still, <laughs> she's still working. Pappy is back. Thanks for praying for Pappy's Pappy. Got out of ICU last night and we're continuing to pray for him and the family, his mom too. Sam the man will be answering your calls today. Uh, before we get to the rancor and the vitriol, I hope today I can encourage you in your daily struggle. I hope I can motivate somebody to help us keep going here with uh, with Chris Fabry Live. If you go to chrisfabrylive.org, you will see our thank you for your gift right now. It's timely. It's encouraging. It's a story straight from the heart. Coming to a theater near you in less than two weeks, Overcomer, the novel, is our thank you. If you give a gift of any size to Chris Fabry Live, the Kendrick brothers asked me to write the story that they came up with. And I think this is exactly what we need in 2019. Identity is the big question. Who am I? Who gets the right to define who I am? Do I define myself? Do my mistakes define me? Do my successes? The characters in this book are all struggling with that identity idea. But this is just a great story. And at the end, you're going to stand up and you're going to cheer for Hannah and John and Thomas. It'll make you stand up as you read. Don't miss it. You're going to see the film and say, oh, I want to read that book. Well, let me help you with that. 866-953-2279. Give a gift of any size and we'll send you Overcomer the Novel. 866-95-FABRY. And you help us do what we do here each day. So everybody wins. Or you can go to chrisfabrylive.org. Hey, if you've never given before, you get a star beside your name. We'd uh, love to have you helping us out today on August 12th. Go to chrisfabrylive.org, become a backfence friend today, and we'll send you Overcomer the Novel. Thank you for your support. My guest today posted this earlier this morning. Satan's number one goal is to divert our attention from Jesus. As long as we ignore Jesus, Satan doesn't care about our Christian work, which means the busier we are, the more danger we're in. 
I think that relates to our topic today, and I want to talk with him about it. Dr. Ray Pritchard is the president of Keep Believing Ministries. He's an author of a number of books, a featured resource today, an anchor for the soul. He's pastored churches all over the country in Los Angeles and Dallas and Chicago, Oak Park. Um, and he joins us today. Ray Pritchard, doctor, how you doing today? Hey, Chris, I'm doing great. Good to be on with you today. Um, answer that question about why you posted that about Satan's number one goal. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about the pressures of life, how, how it's so easy, even inside the church, maybe even especially inside the church, maybe for people like me who are in quote what we call the ministry, the full-time ministry. It is really easy in the church or parachurch ministry to get so busy, quote, serving the Lord that you forget why you're doing it. And nobody ever gets up and says, I'm going to forget Jesus today. Mm -hmm. But it seems to me, Chris, unless we decide to bring him in, we are going to always leave him out. That is to say, unless I, unless I get up every day and consciously decide I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God. Well, let me not speak for anybody else. Let me, let me confess my own weakness. If I don't consciously decide to seek first the kingdom of God, well, I've been spending my life building kingdoms here and there. And so if I don't, if I don't put Christ first, I find it just Chris shockingly mm. dismayingly easy how quickly I'm turned away from the things of the Lord to my own desires and my own kingdom and my own agenda. And that's what I mean when I say if you don't consciously bring Christ in, it's way too easy to leave him out. And then the moment you've left Jesus out, uh, you are you are dead center right in the target area for Satan and all of his attacks. And uh, pretty soon we find ourselves wounded in the battle and we don't even realize what happened. Well, we left Jesus out and this is what happens when you leave him out. You ended up wounded on the mm. battlefield. Yeah. And you're striving then in your own power, you know, under the weight of your own inability to, you know, to do what you really want to do. And I think that's, that's partly what I get with the cultural milieu that we're in today. And a lot of this has to do with politics. Uh, some of it has to do, you know, with, with the violence that's going on around the country. Uh, there's issues of, of guns and, and all of that that you see that, that's around there. But I don't, I don't put this on any one thing or any one person. It just feels like this rising tide that I can't stay above anymore. Do, do you uh, agree with that or do resonate with it? I think the, the shocking fact behind all of that is this is only August of 2019. We're facing a huge national election next year. And it seems to me that in the last, what, year, year and a half, couple of years, the na- it feels to me like the national blood pressure, if there's such a thing, has gone up a hundred points in the last two or three years, and it shows no signs of going down. And so the question to me is, I, I, I'm not responsible for anybody else, but I am responsible for what I say and what I do. How are we supposed to live as Christians in an increasingly adversarial society where everything is questioned, everything is attacked, everything is doubted. And when it just, it feels like, 
it feels like we're living in an angry time right yes. now, Chris. And it just, uh, I was going to say, you don't have to dig very far, but really just look around. And the question is, if, if I can't stop what's going on around me, how do I respond in, oh, in crisis times with mm-hmm. a Christ-like mentality? Let me say, whatever answers we come up with today, we're going to need them more tomorrow than we do today and much more next year. So this is really a very important topic. I want to bring up something over the weekend that I encountered along this lines. And I haven't seen anyone who agrees with me and maybe for good reason, maybe I'm wrong about it, but I want to bring this to you and we're going to put all of this through the prism of Romans chapter 12. You preached a message in North Carolina, I believe not long ago, and I was watching it over the weekend and I thought, I want to have Ray on. I really want to talk about what's going on in the country. And, and more than that, what is going on in my own heart and my own soul that keeps me from doing exactly what you're talking about? And that is getting closer to Christ and allowing him not to calm the storm around me, to, but to calm my own heart and to help me to cease striving. If you resonate with what we're talking about, call us 877-548-3675. Dr. Ray Pritchard is our guest today at the Radio Backyard Fence, president of Keep Believing Ministries. He comes alongside and has some really good thoughts as we look at scripture and look at the Christian life. I want to bring up something here with the rising tide of vitriol, something that happened over the weekend and get your take on this, Ray. And I don't want to get too specific into the weeds. There was a film that was publicized and there was a lot of backlash about it because it uh, had a lot of violence in it, and it was violence that you know, pitted liberals versus conservatives. And a lot of people, you know, said they decided to pull the uh, pull the uh, promotion of it. And then over the weekend, they decided, well, we're not going to distribute this. We're not going to put this out in theaters. And at this point, we don't know what's going to happen with that. Um, personally, I was I was glad that they made that decision. I thought it was in such poor taste, and especially with all of the things that are going that we're talking about, you know, all the things that are going on in society, to put out a, even a satirical look at the political rancor that's going on, it just didn't seem like a real good idea to me. That was my personal opinion. The struggle that I have with this, and I'm not seeing too many people say this, the struggle I have is. It seems like we're moving more and more in our culture to a mob rule in that those who can shout other people down or pull advertisers or surround a university and say, we don't like what that person says. We talked with Dennis Prager a couple of weeks ago about, you know, th- this whole phenomenon, places where free speech used to be uh, lauded now is being squashed. And so while I agree that that film was not a good thing to, to put in the society, I wonder what might happen if, you know, something that I'm, that I'm involved. Let's say that Chris Fabry live, you know, I, I come out for biblical values and there's a bunch of people who said, no, you can't say that in this. You're a hater. You're, and we're going to, you know, that is a very, uh, we have to be careful with that kind of phenomenon, don't you think? 
Well, what would happen, Chris, if the movie that you were talking about, The Overcomers, coming out in a couple of weeks, what if there was a groundswell about that? We already live in a super divided time where uh, it where it seems as if patience has been worn so thin that nobody on any side of any issue has any patience for anyone else. You're only a few steps away, I think, at that point from the dissolution of a democratic society because the very essence of democracy is not just majority rule but protection of minority rights. So uh, we who are conservative Christians um we may face we may face the kind of things you're talking about in the not too distant future. I think it's going to be incumbent upon all of us to take a deep breath, to mm-hmm. step back and to say there's got to be some room in our society for viewpoints that I don't personally support. That is, if I expect my viewpoint to be heard, then at least I've got to be willing for other contrary viewpoints to have a seat at the table. Yes. And to be able to not simply tolerate them, but really to listen. This happens on an individual interpersonal relationship basis where you know, I'm just waiting for the person to stop and then I jump in with my arguments so that I can quote unquote win it. And I think as believers, this is part of the answer to the question that we have. Part of the answer is listening really well to what people are really saying, not just hearing the words that trigger me, but listening to what is really going on and the fear and the struggle that is going on them. Would you agree with that? Oh, no, Chris. Are you telling us we we have to listen to people we disagree with? <laughs> oh, no. Has it come to that? Yes, of course, it always comes to that, right? Um, we've, we all know people who will be glad to talk to you as long as they do the talking and you do the listing. But in that situation, what you have is not a conversation. What you have is a monologue. And in these divided times, these rancorous times, these upsetting, these um, deeply, deeply divided times, oh, what a difference Christians could make if we were willing to listen at least as much as we are willing to speak. Bingo. And I think your analogy of national blood pressure is so good because what do you do? You can either, uh, to get your blood pressure under control, you can lose weight, you can do stuff, you know, physically. Sure. Or you, there's medication that you can take that will help regulate that. And I feel like in a great way that God has, that's one of the reasons why we are in the culture that we are in. We, we can lower the blood pressure in a sense by being different, by, by showing the love of Christ to those around us. Uh, but it, it's almost as if it's as bad, if not worse, in the church. Well, does not the book of James tell us, let every person be swift to hear what slow to speak and slow to anger. We've kind of turned that around and we are slow to listen and all too quick to speak. But how many, how many marriages have blown up because people wouldn't listen? How many, how many children have been hurt because we wouldn't listen to what they were saying? How many churches, Chris, have exploded because everybody wanted their voice heard and nobody wanted to listen to anyone else? It's amazing how those ancient words from the Bible, they, they could have been spoken by the apostle James today 
in the yep. 21st century. Let every person, if you name the name of Christ, be quick to hear, be slow to speak, and please, let's all pray that we could be slow to anger because, you know, the Bible says the wrath of man does not produce the righteous life that God desires. You're, you losing your temper cannot make things better. It can only make them worse. And when I say that to you, my friends, I, I'm, you can't see me, Chris. I'm pointing back to myself right. right now. I am pointing to myself. Ray Pritchard, listen to what you're saying. Your anger produces nothing that is pleasing to God. I'm hoping there's somebody who feels like they're they're going under in the current culture and they've just had a uh, – I mean, I'm not hoping that this happened to you, but I'm hoping that if it did happen to you, you're listening today and that you're hearing the struggle that we're all going through that, you, you know, you're not crazy. But this whole idea of swimming upstream, if we believe that God is sovereign, then we have to believe that he has placed us here for a purpose and a reason and that we need to be about his, you know, the father's business. So we chose swimming upstream. Why did you use that for both the, the message and what we're talking about today? This comes from Romans 12, too. Very familiar passage. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And, and I was preaching last Sunday at Colonial Baptist Church in Cary, North Carolina, and I, I, I chose that. That's their summer theme, that verse. And I thought, I'm just going to work on that first phrase. Do not be conformed to the world, which Eugene Peterson has it as don't be so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Or the really famous version by J.B. Phillips, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. Now, if I take between J.B. Phillips and Eugene Peterson, I think what, what, I think the point those men are getting at is what Paul is trying to say, that the, the culture around us is so strong and is so pervasive unless we decide uh, intentionally to swim upstream, we will be carried downstream with the culture, with its fads, with its thinking, with its uh, with its mode of dress, with, with everything good and bad that's in the culture. You'll never go against the stream, you'll never swim upstream by chance or by accident. You can only do it with the greatest of personal effort. And I think, frankly, we in the body of Christ need to encourage each other in these rancorous times. There ought to be a better way to live. There ought to be a better way to relate. We ought to be salt and light in these angry times. Swimming upstream doesn't happen by accident. Making that kind of difference in our society does not happen by accident. We're going to have to do it on purpose. And Chris, you got to cheer me on and I got to cheer you on and we got to cheer on the whole body of Christ or, or we are all going to be swept downstream. So basically you're saying just like happiness and other things, it is a choice whether you are being conformed to this world or not. You have to make the choice to go against that and then begin to – but how do you do it? How do we start to swim upstream? Let me just say one thing. You don't ever have to choose to go downstream. Just do nothing, and you will be carried downstream. Just just be yourself, but don't even think about things. Don't make any, don't make any affirmative choices, and the culture will carry you downstream. That's, that, to me, is at least – this at least is thought-provoking that if I do nothing, I do nothing, I will just become like everybody else. How do you swim upstream? I think, number one, 
You've got to make that personal decision. I think number two, uh, you're going to need the help of brothers and sisters in Christ. And number three, you've got to say to yourself, not everybody is going to be happy with my decision, but that's okay. I don't have to be supported and understood by the world to swim upstream. If, if God is my help, if I'm standing on the word of God, if I have the help of my brothers and sisters, I can live differently. So how do I know then? Can I take a test? Does Ray Pritchard have a test that I could, you know, is it if I am in despair about the issue du jour over what is going on, this, that, and the other thing, politics, culture, society, whatever, if I am in despair, then I am being drawn downstream. I'm not, I'm being conformed rather than swimming upstream and saying, even though it's, it looks dark right here, I know that God's on the throne. How does that work? <laughs> Let me tell you a story and I'm going to have to kind of go. Uh, you can't see me again, Chris. I, I'm moving my, I'm moving my hands in here to show you. I'm going to go around the corner to get to this. But yesterday we were home for the first time in a month and went to our church here in the, in Lenexa, Kansas. And, uh, our pastor has been preaching through the gospel of Matthew. And yesterday he was on that, uh, render, uh, to Caesar, the things that are Caesar and to God, the things that are God's. And you know, every time I've ever heard that passage talked about, it's about, uh, it's about basically paying your income taxes and obeying the law and all of that. Well, he sort of covered that in about two minutes. He spent most of his time yesterday, to my surprise, happy surprise, talking about what does it mean to render to God the things that are God. He got into politics, which I thought was very interesting because our pastor doesn't ever talk about I've never heard him mention the president, except maybe one time, I've never heard him talk about this or that or green or blue or red or whatever the colors are, you know. And he spent the biggest part of his sermon saying, we live in a tribal age. And, you know, here in Kansas, it's Kansas versus K-State. It's Ohio State versus <laughs> Michigan. It's right. Auburn versus Alabama. But he said, when we come in here, we are not red or blue or green. We're not this university or that team or that tribe. We are the body of Christ. And he said, we are going to lay that secondary stuff aside so that when we come here, it doesn't matter who you voted for or who you voted against. We are one team. We are one body. We are together united around one person, Jesus Christ. And here's the thing, Chris. He, he, he did it much more eloquently than I did it. And when he finished, the congregation broke out in great applause as if well, thank goodness a pastor finally said what he's supposed to say, that we are not united by politics. We are not united by political party. We're not even united by these other social issues that really matter to us. We are united by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. I haven't heard a sermon like that. In fact, let me just say honestly, I've never heard a sermon quite like the one I heard yesterday. And the people applauded because they realized this is the message the church needs to be sending out. Not uh, Republican, not Democrat, socialist, libertarian, or you pick whatever it is, but that we are united around the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, how our pastors need to preach that. And I I was, you could tell, I was uplifted yes. by hearing that we need to render to God the things that are God. Let's put the main thing, the main thing. Let's talk about Jesus because he's the hope of this dying, fragmented, angry world. Yes. And I think that is what 
you're right. People are crying out. They are hungering for that, not just in the church, but also in society. Are we going to, you know, how are we going to come together? And I think back to 9-11 and what happened with, you know, the different places around the country that were targeted and how when that one place, let's say New York City, when they hurt, we all hurt with them. Yes. We all identified with them. And we were there because you're struggling and sending firefighters from around the country with the loss of, you know, those first responders and all of that. And then you just kind of get back into your, the normal everyday thing and you forget, you forget. Um, so I, I hope that we can have an antidote. Here's a, we had a phone call from uh, Alaska who was commenting about a study that he saw where a great uh, majority and it's around 60% of those in society believe that they have the right to suppress somebody who doesn't agree with their opinion, that they have the, not only the opportunity, but the, the right to say, no, you can't say that. You can't talk about that. I want to ask you about that. And then we'll get you uh, to your phone calls. And I apologize for not going to you, but uh, let me take a time out and we'll come to you at 877-548-3675. Do you feel this rising tide of anger and animosity and, and vitriol? How are you responding to it? How are you not being conformed to this world and what is going on here, but showing something different? Has God put something in? Maybe you've made a mistake along these lines and you want to talk about that. Sometimes that's the best illustration. I messed up and I was able to go to my friend or family member or coworker and apologize. Did that happen to you? How do we counteract it? How do we swim upstream? 877-548-3675. If you want to know the truth, this is where I'm living right now, looking around at the culture, looking at all of the rancor and the vitriol and wondering not, not why has it gotten so bad, but why am I so caught up <laughs> and having to hold back to to physically hold back from jumping into the fray and commenting about everything that everybody is saying and get the getting the zinger in here? It'd make me feel better for about 10 seconds. And then I'd realize, oh, that's that's not that's not the answer here. So what do you say? How do we swim upstream? 877-548-3675. That, that whole thing, we've talked a little bit about this. Ray Pritchard is with us today. An anchor for the souls, our featured resource. Just go to chrisfabrylive.org. I've got the right to suppress somebody else who doesn't agree with my opinion. And, and the thing that Prager said a couple of weeks ago, not only is your, your opinion, you're not right about this. It's not that you're not right. It's you're evil. You are bad for believing or saying whatever it is that you've said. Once you get to that, then you shut down discourse, right? Once you get there, you're at a very dangerous place as a nation. In fact, if you follow that to its logical conclusion, you have one party, you have one viewpoint, uh, you have one statement, and nobody dares to speak against it. I mean, you, you, you basically have the foundation of a totalitarian society. And I know people in America would say we could never end up there, but look around the world. 
there are some totalitarian societies that seem to, uh, you know, they seem to stay in power for a long time. I think we have to say, if we're going to be a truly democratic society, we're going to have to say, I, I'm going to speak my piece, but I'm also going to let you speak your piece. You and I may disagree. We may never, we may never even be close friends, but I agree that you have a right to speak your opinion. And I am not going to try to stop you from saying what you truly believe. Otherwise, there's no possibility of discourse. There's no possibility for conversation. There's just one side trying to crush the other. Yeah. And, and if we really believe in biblical truth that it will win out in the end, you know, we really have to, we really have to believe that. Now it may take us a while <laughs> to get from where we are to where we want to be. Yeah, absolutely. And you see the, you know, kind of the crumbling structures of society sure. and that comes in here. Um, let me take us to Montana. Susan's on the line from Kalispell. Hi, Susan. Go right ahead. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I have a verse that, not my verse, but one I read recently. I put it on a card. I see it every day. Second Timothy 2, 24 and 25. And it has really helped me with this issue. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, <clears throat> excuse me, patient when wrong, wronged, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth. Hmm. <laughs> I love that. And somebody's going to email us, 2 Timothy 2, 24, and 25. What do you say, Ray? You know, it, right there in those two verses, you have the whole thing that we're trying to talk about here, that we must not be quarrelsome. And, and I think what Paul is saying is we have to speak. We must speak the truth. And there are going to be times when we're going to get into it with some people. But I, I'm just thinking to myself, Chris and Susan, thank you for that. That's a tremendous, tremendous passage of scripture. There are going to be times when the course of wisdom is just to walk away, you don't have to answer every comment. You don't look social media, especially Twitter, but social media in general is designed to rile us up. Yes. It's designed to make us angry. And oh, Chris, it, oh, is it ever doing that? And there are times when somebody says something, it just gets under your skin and it's offensive and it's awful. And you've got some really snappy, smart, come down or put down, put down. Okay. Stand up, back away from the keyboard, <laughs> back away from your cell phone, step outside, take a deep breath and count to 50 and then do it again. Wait until you're. Wait until your emotions are settled. And I think most of the time, by the time your emotions come down, you'll decide that snappy comeback isn't going to help any. Maybe, maybe, maybe all it's going to do is just make the other person a little bit angrier. So we would all do better, wouldn't we? If we thought and then thought again, you don't have to hit the send button. You don't have to send everything you write. You can think it. You don't have to say it. But I, I think the struggle, the, the, Susan, thank you. The struggle in this passage is, um, I want the culture to change. Right. I want everybody to see it like I see it. 
I want them, you know, because I know the truth, you know, about all these different things and <laughs> both politically and economically, you know, I've got, I'm the repository of all knowledge. Sure. And what I have to be is, uh, the Lord's slave must not quarrelsome, gentle. It's a couple of times it's gentle, um, to everyone able to teach patient instructing opponents with gentleness. It's shades of that. Uh, Peter, the passage in that Peter talks about being ready to give an answer for the hope that you have with gentleness and respect. You don't see that a whole lot. Uh, so you can on social media, you can model that just that gentleness and that patience and the respect that you have for that other individual, even though you disagree with them to to communicate in a loving, kind, gracious way rather than the snippy, snappy thing that you're talking about. Well, hey, Chris, in this passage, Paul says everything you just said, then he throws down some heavy theology. He says, if perhaps, that's an interesting word, if perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth. That's the reason why you and I don't have to get angry, because only God can change the heart. You and I, we are not called to change the world. I can't change my own heart, much less the heart of I can't any. change my oil. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I am powerless in the midst of this heated argument. I can make things worse by arguing and getting mad. I can't make them better. If we really believe that only God can grant repentance leading to life, that's the reason why we can be gentle. That's the reason why we can be kind. That's the reason why we will not be quarrelsome because we understand uh, I am not called to change anybody's heart. Only God can do that. So yes. let's do what we can do and then let God do what only God can do. See, I think what you're leading us to here, Ray, and this, and Susan, thanks for your call is Ask the harder question, what is your goal in this mm-hmm. thing that you're doing? If you're, you're tempted to respond in a snippy, snappy way on social media or what in a conversation that you have sure. in the car with your friend or over coffee is what is your goal here? Is your goal to love this other person well? If you are guided by love, you may say something really hard to them. Sure. But do it in a patient and gentle <laughs> way now there are sometimes when you have oh, to be chris, really direct is, and all chris, that, that right? is chris that is so hard to do i mean i agree ten thousand percent with what you just said but oh it's hard to do isn't it to say the hard thing in a patient gracious loving way i think it does go back to issues of theology yeah. if if we believe it's up to us then we're going to justify every kind of unkindness. We're going to just slap people around metaphorically. Uh, we're going to treat them like dirt. We're going to call them names because we have got to win the victory. If we truly believe in God, if we truly believe that God's truth is the only thing that can bring life, then we can afford, we can maybe, how about this? If we truly believe in God, if we truly believe in his word, we can dare to do what it says and speak the truth in love. Not easy. It's a real, it's really not a question of the other person. It's a question of what we believe about God. Hmm. Yeah. And, and how, how much we are able then to hang on 
to that belief, you know, and to, <laughs> and to not just say, not just have it head knowledge, but to let it sink into the heart so that it permeates, uh, you know, inside. And then that's the whole con- conforming thing that you're talking about. Let me go to Orlando, Florida. Janelle's on the line. Hi, Janelle. <laughs> the dog is barking at us. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, oh, hi, guys. Hey, I'm a long-time, long-time listener, first-time caller. I just wanted to say that the way I uh, swim upstream or – how I don't fall behind in a world that seems to want to lull us to sleep is just getting to know the Lord in all the unfamiliar ways we may know him as our prophet and our priest. You know, we know him as the Lamb of God and our, sal- our salvation, but there's just so much more to the attributes that just keep me very hungry, and that's been encouraging. That's really good, Janelle, but I have to ask you what kind of dog you have. What? <laughs> <laughs> Two chin pins. They're miniature pinchers and chihuahua mix. Really? Whoa. Wow. What were they yes. barking at? Does the mailman come I'm in actually, here? <laughs> yeah, a lady walked by. Oh, it's just just a passerby. Okay, good. All right. So if we, if we bore down on who God really is and allow uh, – if we knew more, Ray – about sure. the character of God and who he is and what he is doing at, you know, at work in this world, then we wouldn't be as wrapped up. I think Janelle is saying. Okay. So while Janelle was talking, I was just thinking to myself, what's the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning? You know, you get up, you rub your eyes, you splash water on your face. And then I can speak for nobody else, but I grab my phone, right? I grab my phone, I'm checking Twitter, I'm checking Facebook. We're all addicted to this avalanche of, of news that's coming in, uh, all, everything that's happened overnight, what people have said. And yet you read the Bible early in the morning will I seek thee. Thy face will I seek, O Lord. And I wonder if what Janelle is talking about really doesn't even come to some, some really basic stuff that we learned a long time ago and maybe have forgotten that the way we start the day is the way we continue the day. So maybe it's Mm. as simple as saying, Lord, first thing in the morning, I'm not going to get back in the, the, the hailstorm of controversy. I am going to seek your face, O Lord, and I'm going to stay with it until I have have seen your face and I have been refreshed by your grace and by your goodness. And only then, only then am I going to get back into what's happening in the world around me. Maybe it's just as simple, at least part of the answer, not the whole thing, but a part of the answer is centering our thoughts on God early yeah. in the morning. That perspective, even Jesus, Jesus had needed that. He needed yes. that connection with the yes. Father, which takes us to Donna in Spokane, Washington. Hi, Donna. Go right ahead. Hi, Chris. You know, what keeps me focused is that I have to keep, you know, like Paul said, to pray continuously. And I know when I was, I'm a 68-year-old woman that um, still works in Walmart as cashier. I just, I call this my hobby job because I used to be a teacher. And so I enjoy people, but I, I think the Lord has just given me a special love for people, Hmm. even the unlovely. And I just try to keep my mind fixed on Christ. Like I was at work at five o'clock Thursday morning. I did not want to be there. (laughs) And the Lord chases me 
for my attitude. And no one else knew I had an attitude. But I just all of a sudden, I just started singing out praise songs because we like were putting groceries away from overnight. Um, you know, and I'm kind of new at the store. And, um, but I just want people to see Christ's love. I mean, I've taken putting a little bit of um, glitter on my face every day. And people say, oh, you have glitter on your face. And I could make a comment like, oh, I'm letting my little light shine. And everybody knows <laughs> what that means. You know, you know what I love and about what I'm you just, just said, though, Donna. You 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 just talked about being uh, self aware enough to say, "Boy, my attitude is not the best thing right now." Here I am, and I and and you admit that, and you say, "Okay, you got my attitude here." Just I think that's part of being able to swim upstream. You got to know where you are in order to figure out where you're where you are in the stream, so that you can swim in the other direction. We're going to get Ray's response to that straight ahead on Moody Radio. Thanks for your support of the Radio Backyard Fence. I mentioned the Back Fence Friends and uh, the, the gift that we give you. Hey, we have something for you if you become a Back Fence Partner as well. And one thing is, every Thursday... I've now begun a video post. So we bring you into in the radio backyard fence, into my lair and uh, my toxic life coach and my puppy. Hey, we've even got Andrea I, for her birthday. I let her get two cats, outdoor cats, only outdoor cats. Th- folks, this is real love. At some point, assuming they survive, uh, I'll, I'll put those on the back fence post as well. But if you want to give an auto gift each month of any size, you'll be a back fence partner. Call us 866-95-FABRY or go to chrisfabrylive.org. Ray, what do you say about that? Being self-aware to know, oh, my attitude's not real good right now. That's important, isn't it? Right, two quick things. Number one, if you are not self-aware, you're just going to drift downstream. I want people to really get that point, Chris, that you want to swim upstream, you got to know where you are in the stream, right? So what Donna said is really, really, really important. And she mentioned listening to Christian music. Uh, I listen to it when, in fact, when this program is over, Chris, I'm going to head out to the trail. No ice on the trail today. I'm going <laughs> to ride, I'm going to ride my bike. I, I tune in. Uh, to Moody uh, Majesty Radio, and I listen to these oh, hymns, yeah. and yeah, 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 and sure. I, that's it's amazing. I may be grumpy when I start my ride, or or distracted, or whatever, but just the power of good Christian music lifts my spirit. That's one way I swim upstream. I I feel my mind and my heart. And by the other thing, Donna said <laughs> she <laughs> she said she puts glitter on her face. Good, good, yes. I good idea, <laughs> and you know because we smile when we say it. It's a wonderful way people, you know, I've never put glitter on my face that I'm aware of, and I don't know that I'll ever do it. But the principle is right to to do whatever it takes to make a little bit of a difference, bring some light into this darkened world. We all can do something. And by the way, when you we're going to get into these arguments, Chris, we just have to say it. You know, how could you vote for? I can't believe you wouldn't. You know, all these arguments and they're coming. Just one principle. When you get into one of these bitter political arguments, and sometimes they're just thrust on you no matter what mm-hmm. you do, here's a principle. If you can't make things better, please don't make them worse. It's mm-hmm. okay to walk away. Can we just say that? Some people are angry, and they can't really be reasoned with in that particular situation. 
You don't have to argue with every foolish, crazy person on social media or answer every email. Some people you just can't make happy. You'd be wiser for your own spiritual health to walk away than to get down too deep in an argument that just turns personal, angry, and acrimonious. Just a thought there. Bob in Indiana, how do you swim upstream in the culture? Hello, Chris. Thanks for taking my call. Well, I stay focused on the gospel. The gospel is the power of God and the salvation. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, um, you can convince no one that they're wrong by saying that you're right. The fact is that we're all wrong, and Jesus Christ is right. In Second Corinthians 4, chapter 4 through 6, the... Um, the God of this world has blinded the eyes of those that believe not. And it, and Paul says, I proclaim Christ. Not, I don't preach myself, but I am a servant unto the gospel. And it says that it opens the eyes uh, to the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's how I swim upstream, by staying focused I love it. on the gospel. And, Speaking and the here's truth the thing. in love. Here's the thing about the gospel, Bob. It reminds us that we, we have to be humble because without the gospel, we are without hope. We are in despair. But with the gospel, with the righteousness of Christ on me, then I am, you know, I'm, I'm worthy in because I have his righteousness on me. Ray, what do you say? We got to keep the main thing, the main thing, and nothing is more important than the great truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is what unites us as Christians, not politics, not who's in power, who's out of power, not this issue or that issue. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. And in these contentious days, if we will do that, it's the one light, it's the one hope for this dying world. Yeah. Debbie was talking about Jesus and the woman at the well and how he interacted with her. Debbie, thank you for your call. Bob, great comment. Uh, Trina is really disheartened about how society has gone. She's a rideshare driver. She said, I'm constantly praying because of the culture around us. And here's one more comment. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you let people walk all over you. Christine said that. Christine, thanks for your call. And that's true. You're not saying let people walk all over you, Ray, are you? Speak the truth in love. We should stand up. We must stand up. But let's not lose our testimony by giving way to anger, because anger is not going to solve the problems of this nation. I hope this has been an encouragement for you today. Tomorrow we're going to continue in much the same vein, but we're going to talk about the words that we use. So come on back and listen to that. Ray, thank you for uh, the writing and the speaking you do and Anchor for the Souls, our featured resource. You come back real soon, okay? Let's do it. Thanks, Chris. That's Ray Pritchard of Keep Believing Ministries. Find out more about him and our featured resource at chrisfabrylive.org. Our program is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.